We've been inquiring about the state of health or disarray in the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And for weeks now, we've been talking about what is or isn't going on there. We've invited the National Disability Insurance Scheme to speak to us, specifically about Caroline, who behind the scenes is starting to get a plan in order, starting to get some sort of an agreement with the NDIS about how she can better look after her husband, who she nurses at home. But it's led to, I might say, an almost overwhelming number of emails, letters and contacts from people about their issues with the organisation which is going through a, a complex birth, no doubt about it. But is it made unnecessarily complex in some way and can it be sorted out? Sonia Law is in charge of disability advocacy and mental health at Victoria Legal Aid. They see all these sorts of cases coming through from their casework every day. Sonia, good morning to you. Good morning. What do you see? What's coming through and what lessons are you learning at Legal Aid? Well, what we're seeing is people who have funding in their plans for services from NDIS. So they've met They've gone through those gates, they've ticked those boxes, but they can't get the services that they've been found to need because there's no provider available. And sometimes that failure can have a really dramatic impact on their lives. Carolyn talked about the impact of being having to be there 24 hours a day to look after her husband. We're seeing some cases like that. But we're also seeing cases of people who get stuck in prison because their provider withdraws and they can't return to their home. So, so Sorry, they're in prison for a crime... Are they serving a sentence or on remand? Well, we saw, we've seen a couple of cases of people on remand who wouldn't have gotten a custodial sentence. Yes, they've been arrested for, for an offence, but a relatively minor offence in the criminal justice system would normally result in bail. But because of service withdrawal at their house, they get stuck in that environment. So they, they, they can't say to the court, yes, I can go home, unless they've got support. That's right. I mean, so they end up staying in jail. That's right. And which we're costs talking, the community even more. That's right. In the short term, and I think in the long term too, John, because we're talking about people who, have quite, who are quite vulnerable, people with autism and other kinds of intellectual disability who don't cope well in that environment. They experience distress. It's quite frightening. They experience trauma that can be ongoing after they come out of jail. And as you say, have a bigger impact on the system in that way. Is it just inevitable that when you try and create such a big new organisation from scratch, when you try and combine so many different state and federal-based systems and merge them into one cohesive entity, is it just inevitable that it goes through this sort of birthing pain? I think some there is some inevitability. It's obviously very complex. And the points of intersection with mainstream services are where we're seeing some real complexity in, I suppose, burden shifting and who is responsible. But I think what's frustrating about this situation is the question of a provider of last resort. Who will be there when a provider isn't available in the marketplace for people whose needs are not run-of-the-mill but also not completely un unusual, like within the bounds of the existing system, was always foreseen. So the foundational documents of the NDIS, the bilateral agreement between Victoria and the Commonwealth, always recognised that there would need to be a provider of last resort. And that's an issue that keeps coming up. The Joint Standing Committee on NDIS at the Commonwealth Parliament um, has, is aware of this issue. They're speaking about it, but we still have no clarity from the NDIA about who will fulfil that role. Is it also about managing expectations, just finally, Sonia, because 
when it was introduced, of course, it was bipartisan political policy. Everyone said, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And there was a view in the community that suddenly it was going to be magic wands for everybody and all problems, everyone's problems everywhere would somehow be fixed, which was never going to happen. I think great expectations were created about choice and control and this will be the panacea. Mm. I think what's really concerning is that now we're reasonable and necessary. Is this reasonable and necessary? But even people who've met that test, there has to be tests for eligibility to make sure that uh, the scheme's affordable. But even people well, it already isn't. Let's call a spade a spade. Well, I think there is. There's evidence of unspent money in people's plans, and it would be really interesting to understand from NDIA what they understand about about unspent funds. And what are their explanations for that? But while that's worked through, yes, there's going to be complexity in the rollout. While it's worked through, participants shouldn't be put at risk by that. They shouldn't be the people who bear the brunt of that damage. And it should be apparent to them where to go uh, to manage that risk. And it's still early days, believe it or not, even though at the same time a lot of time has passed, it's still in the overall scheme of things early days. So all the state agencies, the private providers, the charity sector and so on, everyone's saying, well, hang on, we've got to be in this for the long game. We don't want to concede ground or lock ourselves into an an agreement or an understanding or a definition or a cost structure which long term makes things unsustainable so let's fight over every little point because this is this is the establishment stage that's, that's right. happening a lot too and in, in even my own very superficial explorations of trying to solve problems what should be a simple decision is not at all simple because people are saying, no, we've got to take as long as it takes to get this right because once we make this clarification or this definition, we're going to have to live with it forever. There's concern about precedent setting, and I'm sure that that would be the case in terms of Commonwealth and state responsibility. Uh, But there needs to be interim solutions while that's worked through to make sure that people aren't collateral damage in that system. Yep. So there we are. That's why we are where we are. I might say, though, that our invitation to the National Disability Insurance Agency still stands pretty much every day for now more than two weeks. We've said, why don't you talk about your problems and be upfront and open about them instead of everyone else talking about them? And that invitation is extended again today. Sonia Law has been our guest today as we continue to talk about the NDIS and we will do so every day until Caroline gets a solution. She's from Disability Advocacy and Mental Health, their program at Victoria Legal Aid. She deals with this stuff every day. Sonia, thank you. Thanks, John. Good to see you.